Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Hello, Paula. Hello, Dean. It's been a busy weekend. It has been. It's been a fun weekend, huh? There's been a lot going on in the endurance sports arena. Yes, both uh, globally and within our RYR community. We've had a lot of athletes competing this weekend. It's been exciting tracking and praying for and encouraging and following up with the athletes. It has been. I was particularly worried about Jessica because her shin had been bothering her a little bit. So I was so thankful that she had a great race today in the Bowling Green Half Marathon. Ten consecutive years every year that they've had it. That's amazing. That's awesome. Very hilly course and she nailed it. Nailed it. Really quick. Very quick. We also had an athlete do 5K time trial today. Where was that race? South Carolina? Jekyll Island, Georgia. Georgia. There we go. I've never been to Jekyll Island. Have you? I had not even heard of it until I realized that she was going to do a 5K there. We should go visit it sometime. Yeah. So great job, Katie, on her busting a move 5K with her running partner slash canine friend Bailey who did the 5k with her and I think maybe she credited the dog with getting her out too fast in the beginning she did get out fast but she finished strong she did first overall female not bad not bad at all and I'm sure you're dying to talk about Ironman Florida for a variety of reasons but we also had an athlete get his personal best Ironman finish today, or yesterday actually. Saturday, if you're listening to this on Monday. Yeah, congratulations, Eric, on a very difficult race, but you overcame and set a personal best. Great job. So what was your training like this weekend? This weekend was somewhat light. I've been training with our son, Jacob, and he has a big race next weekend, the Wendell Foster Half. And we did 90 minutes yesterday with two sets of 10 minutes at around his threshold pace. And it was funny. I've been chomping at the bit to run fast. I've been healthy for a couple months now. And he's faster than I am. But on that first pickup, the first interval, I'm right with him. And he looks at his watch and I look at my watch. And he says, Dad, what are you doing? And I said, I'm running 649 pace. And he said, why are you doing that? I said, I know. I'll back off. So I backed off and ran around 720 pace. He really wants to keep his father healthy. And I want to stay healthy. I do want to run fast, but it's more important to stay healthy. That's the the speed sure. will come. Healthy is the most important piece in that equation for sure. Patience and consistency. And you are also very diligent with your physical therapy. Our athletes 
that go to see a physical therapist are only successful if they actually do their physical therapy between sessions. It's amazing how that works. It is. So I was talking with Jacob about this a long time ago. He said, yeah, Mom, there's two things that make physical therapy work. One is going to see the physical therapist at the regularly scheduled appointment. And the second is to do everything they give you between appointments. I feel like many athletes struggle with that. They want to jump right in to do the run and not take the extra 15 to 20 minutes to do the physical therapy each day. I've had a lot of minor injuries over the years, and I've learned that being proactive is much better than being reactive. So I'm thrilled to do my PT, which allows me to feel comfortable on the run and be able to run the next day. That's right. And I haven't been able to go to my physical therapist in over a year now because he went into management and does not treat patients anymore. So I have been still diligently doing the things and addressing the issues that he says will keep me healthy. And thank the Lord, so far it's going well. Yeah, you are consistent with your PT as well. Your routine is not as lengthy as mine, but you are consistent with it. Yes, and it's completely different because we have completely different frames and needs. Everybody's different. So my training this weekend has been pretty good. I'm four weeks post-Boston now. And when I was three weeks post-Boston, we ramped up and did a pretty decent training block. And I could just tell I wasn't ready for it. And so talked with you about it and you really dialed it back this week. So today was the first day I had any kind of tempo work and it felt really good. I had to hold myself back to stay within the prescribed pace range. My coach, Mr. Dean Roberts, put in a pace range and I was going too fast. So I was putting on the brakes. So that felt good. Because normally when my watch is complaining, I have to put in a little more work. But today felt good. Felt right. That's a good place to be, feeling like you can go faster, but choosing to slow down and execute the workout as planned. Usually if I do not execute the workout as planned and I go a little harder just because I can, I regret it a couple of workouts later. Yes. There was another athlete who had a race this weekend. Brent did the Chilly Hilly 5K at Audubon State Park and had a blast. Yeah, and he did well too. It's always a risk running on the trails and Bethany was telling us that one of her running buddies got hurt at that trail race. And that makes me sad too because that was just kind of a fun run for her because she was doing the Wendell Foster half marathon this upcoming weekend. So outside of a miracle, she's going to be on the sidelines for that Mm -hmm. piece. So that makes me sad. Speaking of the Wendell Foster half, I was happy that my legs felt strong today because... I take it upon myself as a huge responsibility when I volunteer to do a pace group. Obviously, you choose a pace group where it's not a challenging pace for you personally as the pacer. But with my legs having been trashed from the Boston Hills and just the whole preparation for that, I was getting a little bit anxious about whether or not my legs were going to be ready for 13 miles at any pace. But today, the 8 miles felt great and I went much faster than the pace I'll be going next weekend, so a little confidence booster. I'm excited to carry that PACE team sign and help some athletes out there reach new goals. Are you pacing by yourself or do you have a partner? I'm pacing by myself. 
Well, so my decision on the Wendell Foster half is that I will be part of the cheerleading squad for Jacob in his race. I've had intentions on racing with him, but I just don't feel like my speed is there yet, and it would be risky for me to push myself as hard as I would need to to keep up with him. So I am going to be with Shelby and Bethany as we cheer him on around the course. And then what are you going to do when he finishes? When he finishes, I am going to find you on the course and run a little bit with you. If needed. If needed. So you and I have been driving around the course, (laughs) working on the fan plan. There's a lot of work that goes into being a spectator for a big race. Especially if you want to be an over-the-top, being all the places spectator. We typically go over-the-top. We do. We want to be there for our athletes that are racing. So it was fun circle-navigating the course with you last weekend and finding all the spots. And I hear a rumor that you and Shelby and Bethany are going to go back out and scope it out one more time just to make sure. Yeah, as fast as Jacob is going to be running, we've got to be on our A game or we're going to miss him. We've got to find all the streets. we got to know where to park. We've got to keep an eye on the clock. We've got our work out for us. We've got a plan. It's written down. We just need to practice it, do some simulations. We're going to have to pack snacks. <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure you stay well-fueled for that hour and a half. <laughs> we got to do what we got to do. That's hilarious. But we're up for the challenge. <laughs> we're ready. Just one more simulation. We'll probably drive the course tomorrow, and then we'll be in taper mode. The haze in the barn. I got a cute video of our future RYR endurance team athlete yesterday. Tell me about it. Little baby. I guess she's, yep, she's still 20 months. It's not the 13th yet, but on race day, she'll be 21 months. Ellie Yes. See, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Shelby took video of her running and pretty good run down the green belt today, so, or yesterday. She's pretty quick. She's gotten in the habit of running around the countertop island we have in our kitchen, and she's pretty quick. She's pretty quick. But the funniest thing with her this week is she was marching behind you, and I guess she got a little bit too close and collided a bit with you, and she went straight backwards. I just don't know what (laughs) happened. I was looking straight ahead, marching, and the next thing I know, she's laying on her back. (laughs) She's tough, though. She didn't even whimper. So back to Ironman Florida. It was not supposed to be a pro athlete race, was it? It was originally planned to be a pro-female race only, but because Ironman California was canceled due to severe weather, they invited the pro men from California to go to Florida. And do you know how many took them up on that offer? I do not know. I did hear there were 35 women professionals, so I'm assuming there was a little bit less than that on the men's side. Because not everybody was going to stay in the United States an extra two weeks and compete in Florida. And the professional women, I know first and second place, were both U.S. women. That was exciting. Because they didn't come out of the swim nor off the bike in that position, right? Didn't they work their way up in the marathon? Definitely. Exciting for them to run well. And then on the men's side. It was an exciting race on the men's side. The men pretty much came out of the water together, the lead men. They stayed on the bike together. They stayed on the run together. 
part of the way until they couldn't stay together anymore. It was interesting to watch. I think there will be a new rivalry building between Gustav Eden and Lionel Sanders after this race in particular. They're coached by the same person, which is Gustav Eden's brother, which is weird in itself, but Gustav Eden, the eventual winner, stayed behind Lionel Sanders on the bike the entire time and stayed behind him on the run at least half of the way until he made a move and went on to win the race. I think his brother's plan for him was be patient until mile 16 of the marathon and then take off. Pretty good strategy. Pretty good strategy. But really difficult conditions in Florida, but Gustav Eden still broke the course record by several minutes. 7.42, I think. That's just an incredibly fast time, especially with the really difficult conditions in the ocean. And he's a newbie. First time full distance triathlon. Very impressive. Bright future in Ironman races. And well, he's already the 70.3 world champion. So let's see if he can become the 140.6 champion in St. George in the spring. The winners on the women's side were Heather Jackson and Sky Munch. Yeah, and it was fun to watch that race and again watch them battle and overtake competition in the marathon. But at the end, it was interesting. Mike Riley was interviewing these two women and he started with the winner, Heather, and she was just excited and happy that she had had the race she wanted to have and was very positive. Then Mike asked Heather to hang out while he interviewed Sky, and Sky just immediately jumped to, oh, Heather, I'm glad you finally beat me. I mean, she didn't say it exactly that way, but she said, well, at least now there will be a rivalry and something for me to shoot for. So evidently, Sky is accustomed to coming out ahead of Heather in these races. But I thought that was a little bit funny. Sky said that St. George will be like a hometown race to her because I think she trains in Utah. Oh, well. And lives near there. Home field advantage. We shall see. So I wanted to spend some time in this podcast talking about the rough swimming conditions in Ironman, Florida. Yeah, Eric had sent us a video and one of the jet skis out there patrolling the course before the race started, he showed a picture of the buoy that he was right beside and it was like 10 seconds later and now he was drawn out 15, 20 yards away from the shore past that buoy. So the current was definitely moving out to sea. Yes, it was. There was a wind out of the north at around 15 miles an hour. So definitely not ideal conditions for a looped swim course in the ocean this weekend. So I gave Eric a call this morning thinking he would be driving back to his hometown and he would have plenty of time in the car to spend chit-chatting with me, but he hadn't left yet. So I've taken some notes and I was going to share some of the notes about the swim that he shared with me. He said that the waves really didn't look that bad from the shore, but once you got away from the shore and you were in the water, the waves were definitely much more difficult than expected. And the course made a clockwise loop around this pier. So the first turn would be a right-hand turn, and the current was trying to pull you out to sea, so it was really difficult to navigate that Parallel to the shore leg. Exactly. Trying to aim towards the buoy. You had to actually 
aim more towards the shore, a little bit towards the shore, angled, in order to make your way to the buoy without ending up way out at sea. And then making that second right-hand turn to head back to the shore is when it really got tough because that 15-mile-an-hour wind and the current were fighting against the swimmers all the way to the shore. It made forward progress a challenge. One of the people on a kayak was telling Eric after the race that it was like the swimmers were not going anywhere. Just a really difficult day. And I think for the pro athletes, it probably affected their swim by 8 to 10 minutes, which is substantial. But for the age groupers, I think they were being affected by a good 20 to 35, 40 minutes, depending on their swimming fitness and skill. Yeah. So the cutoff in a full distance swim is two hours and 20 minutes. And based on his previous race experience and what he's been doing in the pool, we were thinking that he would take about 90 minutes. So plenty of cushion, no need to worry about the cutoff. But on this two lap course, he came out of the water after lap one in 58 minutes. And I think he was a little startled that it had taken so long and that it was so difficult. But instead of panicking or feeling like he should throw in the towel, he got angry. He got angry at the sea. (laughs) He said there was no doubt he was going back in the water and he was going to make the cutoff. And I'll just say as an aside, when we onboarded him, he told us, I don't like swimming. I don't want to swim. I don't want to practice swimming. I want you guys to help me with my biking and my running. And so he would admittedly say that he probably needs a training block to focus more just on swimming. So he knew going into the swim that was not going to be his strength. He was going to make up time on biking and he's an excellent runner. So we did not do a whole lot of coaching with him on swimming because he told us, yeah, I might get in the water once a week. Yeah. But we're going to work with him on that. We're going to we're going to talk him into becoming a strong swimmer. Yeah, he has interest in doing other triathlons, and so being a strong swimmer certainly makes the day go by a lot easier. You're ready for any conditions in the water. And really, it's not only about the time it takes, because you can make up a fair amount of time. It's really about the energy you expend. Right, and I think that 90-minute swim that turned into a 122-minute swim, two hours and two minutes, took a lot more energy than what it would have if the water had been calm. Oh, that's 100% for sure. And he was saying that he had heard rumors, and I haven't been able to find anything to confirm this, that there may have been as many as 400 people drop out on the swim or not make the cutoff. Yeah, well, he only had 18 minutes to spare, so... Not a lot of time to spare. What was the weather like temperature-wise? The water temperature was in the middle 60s, and the air temperature was in the 40s. So pretty cold to be getting yourself wet. Definitely wetsuit legal. It made it difficult coming out of the water on lap one and on lap two, running on the sand in bare feet, cold, wet, bare feet. I remember Ironman Louisville in October running on concrete, cold, wet, bare feet, and it was painful. (laughs) There was nothing painful about that for me because the only thing I could remember is being elated that I had done so well in that swim and I was out of the water. I don't even remember what my feet felt like. (laughs) (laughs) 
just some other thoughts that Eric shared. He, he said he was just so thankful and grateful to have been able to finish the swim. And he really used that difficult section of the race as motivation for the rest of the day because surviving that, there was nothing on the bike or the run that was going to compare to the difficulty of the swim. You know, it's funny when I did the one-third distance triathlon in Florida several years ago, the course was similar except for it was counterclockwise rather than clockwise, but that parallel stretch along the shore, like parallel to the shore but out past the buoys, it was the same thing like trying to swim point to point from buoy to buoy, it was a struggle because there was also a current that naturally was drifting you a little bit farther and farther from the shore. So I don't think the conditions were nearly as complicated as what everyone faced this past weekend, but it is a little frustrating when you're ebbing and flowing in directions you're not planning to. (laughs) Well, let's talk about some ways to prepare for or to handle difficult open water swimming. And and let's start with what you were just talking about. You're aiming for a buoy and the current is pushing you somewhere that you don't want to go. If you can do a practice swim the morning of the race and get a sense as to what the current is going to be, then you can be prepared for the type of angle you need to take when you're making that turn to aim towards a buoy. But that's not always the case for the age groupers to be able to do a practice swim the day of. Right. Or if you can't do a practice swim, for example, when I was doing the Florida one-third distance and I realized every time I sighted, I was heading farther from the shore instead of when I would sight, I would adjust to head to inside the buoy. And as I did that, then I started going toward the buoy. I did. I adjusted my angle in toward the shore, but the current was then adjusting it to go more toward the buoy. Right. That's definitely a great idea. Something that you see the pro athletes do, and maybe some amateurs as well, is doing the dolphin dive as they run off the sand into the water. So the dolphin dive is a way to help you go fast or as fast as possible in shallow water. It's water that's too deep to walk in, but too shallow to swim in. So around waist deep. And the idea behind the dolphin dive is you want to dive in and grab the bottom of the water, sand, dirt, rock, whatever happens to be down there, and pull yourself forward and then stand up. You don't want to dive straight down. You certainly don't want to hit your head on the bottom. You want to dive out. And if it's too deep to reach the bottom, then it's deep enough to swim. It's time to get down to business. You also want to think about timing your dives to take you under waves instead of standing up and letting the waves hit you in the chest. And you can use that grip on the bottom of the water to try to help yourself from being pushed back. So that's some thoughts behind the dolphin dive and how you would do it and why you would do it. But that's certainly something you would want to practice before executing that on race day. And that's not something you could easily practice in a pool, but we always encourage athletes to find a way to practice open water swimming. And if you're going to have a beach start or you're going to have a two-lap course, this is certainly something you want to consider practicing if you're racing for speed. But if you're not racing for speed, just take your time and walk in until it's deep enough. Something else to think about is if you're dealing with swells or waves, 
when you're going to do your sighting. You want to time when you're going to do your sighting so that you're at the top of a wave or at the top of a swell. And as far as breathing, you want to be comfortable breathing to both sides so that you can breathe to the side where the waves are not approaching. And that's not something that every athlete, every triathlete is comfortable with, but that is certainly something that you can practice in the pool, get comfortable being able to breathe to either side. I know when I did Ironman Louisville in 2017, we had actually gone to Louisville several times and swam where we would be swimming. But on race day, there was a headwind that was going against the natural current. And so unexpectedly, there were swells, nothing like in the ocean, but there were swells in the river. And so it took a little bit to figure out how to sight because you'd sight and you'd get smacked in the face with a wave. So it took a little while to, that was something I had never practiced, but you had me swim so much. I felt like I had gained so much swim fitness that felt like I was able to make adjustments and get through that swim. Yeah. And even at the pool, you and I had intentionally shared a lane a few times so that you would get some experience. And so I would get more experience getting hit by waves and getting splashed and somebody touching your toes or bumping your shoulder. It's all good practice. The key is being comfortable, being relaxed, and dealing with the situations that you encounter. Right. And every race is going to be different and whatever conditions are thrown at you, you just have to relax and not panic. Because if you panic, your day is going to be over. I know you had a friend that pulled out of a sprint triathlon because of the panic in just a really short swim. It can overtake you. Yes, it can. And that's probably what happened to a lot of the people who did not finish the swim. It wasn't that they couldn't have finished it. If they had been relaxed, it's that panic overtook them. That's my guess. So something else to think about in difficult swimming conditions is drafting off someone. It's always good to draft off someone. Just like on the bike, drafting in the water saves a ton of energy and can help you swim faster. But even in rough conditions, if someone is breaking the waves in front of you, that's going to make things a lot easier for you as well. It always helps with sighting if you're following someone. Hopefully they're going the right way. Something else to think about when you're in difficult swimming conditions is are you going to have issues with nausea? I know when I was in Hawaii swimming in the ocean preparing for the world championship, I really didn't have significant ocean water swimming and it took me a few days to get comfortable bobbing up and down and tasting the salt water. But Eric said that he didn't really have any problem with the waves or the salt water. He did drink a little bit as he was sighting and getting splashed in the face, but it didn't really affect him. On the plus side, the salt does create a little bit more buoyancy, so it's a little bit easier to stay nice and flat and long in the water. Yeah, and the wetsuit helps too. But if you do have a tendency to get motion sick or seasick, you could consider wearing a seasick patch to help avoid that. That would be an awful place to be, to be at the furthest point in the ocean, fighting against the current and get sick and feel like you're going to lose your breakfast. Yeah, and I think this weekend's race is another reminder of why open water swimming and pool swimming are so different 
I know with the total immersion plan where you really work on your body alignment and that gliding through the water, that creates a lapse in pulling if you're gliding in the water. And so really with open water swimming, you need to think about keeping your levers, grabbing that water and making sure your arm cadence is such that you're continuously propelling yourself forward with your arms rather than thinking about gliding. And again, it is not in any way putting down a swim program. We started as adult swimmers learning to swim and we started with total immersion. And I still say that our body positions are fantastic in the water because of that program. But then once you can get that long, flat, on the surface of the water body position. You've got to get your cadence going and you've got to get your arms, your levers, continuously paddling and pulling that water. Certainly. In the difficult conditions in Ironman Florida this weekend, you really had to have a high cadence to fight the waves. When I think about rough seas, I always think about in the New Testament where Jesus is asleep in the boat with the disciples and the disciples are terrified because the seas are so rough and Jesus just gets up and calms the seas. Do you have a Bible verse for today? Well, I was reading in the Psalms this morning and I was thinking about this podcast and I came across a passage that talked about the waves. So I will share that one. It's Psalm 107, starting at verse 23. It says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. It seems like we should take a vacation to the ocean just to remember the greatness of God. I love the ocean. Let's take our wetsuits. Let's do it. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.